1: Hey, this is Josh Noble from the band Larkins, and you are listening to Tobin Tonight.
0: How are you doing? How has self-isolation been?
1: It's okay. I mean, we, (laughs) we were supposed to be in the States right now, so we came home from the States due to Corona, and then we kind of moved everything from our studio into our flat, so I've been working out the flat um, since. But, I mean, listen, man, like we've got it bad, but at the same time, like, there's a lot of other people out there. I've got it a hell of a lot worse, so I'm happy. I'm getting to write loads of music, getting time to finish off stuff that I've been meaning to finish for forever. So it's good. It's good. In the spirit of fun,
0: with the self-isolation, of course, you just said you moved everything to your flat. I seen that you kind of got
1: into the podcasting world. Like, what are you doing? That's my world. What are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit weird. I mean, like, it was one of those things where I'm obsessed with podcasts. I listen to, like, at least one every morning. So it's a kind of, like, something that I've always, like, been fascinated by. But I guess it was just a chance for me to, like, show off a lot of the people that I work with in the team. Like, when Larkins do a show or when Larkins do a shoot or the band does something, there's so many people involved with that. And so many creatives who have their own jobs and stuff. And I've never really got the chance to go look at how fucking good this person is. So (laughs) so I guess that's my chance to do it. You know, I was amazed because I was
0: looking at uh, a few that you posted and I see that you are uh, you had one that you had a I think it was like a Yankees jersey on. And I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan, so I don't know, Josh.
1: (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I'm more on the baseball style end of things, I guess, more than the team's. So I'm no, sure I've, I've got a Red Sox as well, I'm sure. Good, good.
0: That's what I want to see the next time. So at least I can make a comment and be like, yeah, that's my boy. We're okay. in a Boston Red Sox. Okay, cool. Um, I'm on it. I'm on it. When did you start playing music and uh, forming the band? Because I, I heard that you guys, especially you, you, you had an interest where your father played music. And at the time, you didn't really have much of a uh, an appreciation for it but over time it kind of grew on you. So yeah. expand on that.
1: I guess we grew up in like a really small town that wasn't particularly musical and I guess like myself and Dom our parents were kind of outliers in how much they were into music whether it was from like the 70s and the 80s and then Dom kind of had this inspiration from his dad that was 60s music and like folk music. So I guess it was kind of that but it just took us a bit of time to realize how important that music was. I think we were both always into pop music but I guess the moment that we met, maybe when we were 12 or 13, that was a catalyst, like a big turning point for the both of us. So I guess then was the point where we both started to approach music differently because we did it together. So I guess like that age, probably like 12, 13, we both started like going to his garage after school, um, like locking the door, making sure that the neighbors weren't getting pissed off and just playing guitars. And that's all we did. That's all we did for like five, six years.
0: And then I guess that kind of grew to forming the band and then adding the other members, because I I read somewhere along the way that you will debate this, that one of your members is, I guess, the best at what they do.
1: Yeah, Henry, our bass player, is insanely good on his instrument, and I remember, like, we both had this, me and Dom used to go to this guitar teacher, and I remember the guitar teacher saying, why don't you just come to the lessons together? We were like, yeah, we do everything else together, so why not? That's fine. And, like, we started, like, I guess that was the forming of it, but when we then said to him like we really need this bass player he was like well i teach this other kid you remember him he went to school with you but he was like a couple of years younger and like he's a bit immature so you might have to like we were like no no that's fine like yeah he's fucking amazing man i remember him his dad dropped him off at the audition so we would have been like 18 maybe 17 he was like 15 which was nuts i can't imagine what he was thinking (laughs) at the time but henry was this kid in school like we grew up in a very very middle class right wing kind of white town and henry was the only black kid in the oh, okay. school so it was just like it was like everyone knew henry but like for the wrong reasons and the fact that what they should have known him for was the fact that he was fucking unbelievable on base <laughs> yeah
0: his dad was probably just like dropping him off to like good someone else wants him for a couple of hours yeah you take care you take yeah. care of him
1: <laughs> We've definitely become his full-time carers, <laughs> believe me. Um,
0: and I guess I, I kind of want to bring this up as well because, again, everyone has a, a musical influence, people that inspire him to do music. When I was reading a bit of your bio and looking at previous interviews, and I guess I'm in, in the same way going to compare you with, you know, the 1975 and Oasis, but yeah. in fairness, yeah. I've read that you do appreciate both these bands,
1: <clears throat> but who are some of your earlier influences? We do appreciate that. Like, even being heralded in any way, shape, or form by those bands is a good thing, I think. But I mean, when we were like growing up, the a massive band for us. I know they're not huge in the US, but it was a band called Falls, and they were like, they were like math rock, and it was like, it was the coolest band to like. If you liked that band, you were cool. I guess it's the only the parallel I can draw is like with bands like Tame Impala. It was like super hipster, super cool, really interesting music. There was a style that came along with it. But I mean, for me, like songwriting wise, there were bands like The Killers and Elbow and Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. So, I mean, even Duran Duran to an extent when I started like looking in production, like those kind of bands, Genesis. I remember having a stage where I was obsessed with Heim. (laughs) I remember when Heim got their first album and that was like the band. So, yeah, loads of stuff.
0: It's always interesting to me because, again, where we're Canadian, like there are bands in Canada that people don't know about because they're just kind of either small or local or haven't hit it big, but people are kind of know of. So it's interesting to me that you have the dynamic of the bigger name bands and smaller name bands that kind of draw your influence.
1: Yeah, yeah, true. I mean, I'm sure you hear this all the time about Avril Lavigne, but, like, I literally remember getting in my dad's little, like, Fiesta, little Ford Fiesta, and he had three albums in there, and there was Led Zeppelin 5, there was Maroon 5 songs about Jane and there was Avril Lavigne's first record, and I remember, I I reckon I could sing every word of every song on that first Avril Lavigne record.
0: That's See, that's cool. That's really interesting, because, you know, in Canada right now, like, I mean, Avril Lavigne had her peak. I'm not saying that she's still not relevant, but it's just I get that. The whole
1: Hello Kitty thing and the Nickelback thing was a bit fucked up, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, but it's just so funny because when you mention that, it's like, you know, if someone in a Canadian act mentioned um, like a, a UK band that we never heard of, or like that yeah. came relevant and then you're just like really you guys heard, you, like you're really just surprised like when you mentioned avril lavigne i was just like really like you you know avril
1: lavigne? Oh the, yeah but like to me avril lavigne is the first record like that first record is insanely good oh it's yeah so good on so many levels like production um the way she's written the songs the way she sounds the way she like genre jumps between shit like <laughs> mate that that first record is so fucking good
0: yeah, so if we ever get Avril Levine on the podcast, we'll be like, yo, the guy from Larkins, Josh, gave you a yeah. shout-out.
1: <laughs> yeah she'll be like who the fuck is yeah, it <laughs> yeah
0: and then like and then like five years later you'll be doing a tour and then be like oh you and then be like yeah maybe. we were on that podcast that one time
1: maybe i could ask yeah. her to support us but like be like you can only play the first record <laughs> yeah 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 she, she'd just be like excuse
0: me and you just be yeah. like well like come on we're we're the headline yeah. here come um, on yeah be realistic <laughs> now when people do compare you with like the bands of the 1975 um because mm. i i've i've read that you both have a similar with i think it's matt healy um yeah. similar like hairstyle similar kind of boat lead singers do you ever get annoyed because i know for example we have a i think it's a musician ryan adams and when yeah. people compare him to brian adams he just goes ballistic so okay. do you kind of at times go like stop comparing me or do you're like yeah it's flattering but hey why don't listen to our music and see that we're a little bit different as well
1: yeah i mean i don't really i don't really care like, i remember like when we first started people used to come to shows and it would be just like Michael Hutchinson. Do you remember the <laughs> band In Excess?
0: Uh, I've like, heard of them. Yeah.
1: So if you go and check him out, like it's exactly the same. Like we have a similar look. Like our music is polar opposites, but it was the same thing. Like I, I'm not really bothered by it. I mean, like as long as people like our music, I think it just sometimes, I think with stuff like that, you start to like look at why you're different and how you can be different. Which I don't think is a bad thing. I think when creatives strive to be different, that's probably a good thing. So, I mean, yeah, I don't really give, I don't really care. Like, I think we cross over sonically a little bit. But, I mean, yeah, it's what it is, I guess.
0: You did a Canadian date, I believe, in March. Was this your first trip here, and how did you find it?
1: Yeah, first time in Toronto, um, amazing. I loved Canada. I loved the people. I mean, the service was unreal we went to new york swiftly afterwards and there was such a like a difference but um i loved it man i thought toronto was great i thought it was it felt like a little bit like a a larger version of where we live in manchester it felt like a lot of it felt quite independent which i quite liked but yeah man, i really liked it the show was fun as well i mean it was amid the big kind of first big wave of corona scare so i mean it definitely put some people off which i totally fucking understand but i mean it was still really fun Getting gear out to Canada is a nightmare. <laughs> like, we spent two days searching for our gear. But other than that, it was really, really good fun. And
0: I, I like that, because I was going to say, you're on a Canadian podcast. If you don't put the Canadians over, they're, they're not going to say much. They're just going to apologize. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry you had a bad time. That's no, so that, nice. That, that's awesome. Do you do you figure in the future, when all this virus is over with, that you'll try to make more tor- er, tour dates within, say, Vancouver even the East Coast, or is it just more like sticking within the main stage?
1: No, 100%. We definitely want to, I mean, even the first day we got there, we held meetings with a few um, people over there about, like, production and ways that we could kind of elevate the Canadian show, and if we were to root Canada, how we would do that. So it's definitely in the pipeline.
0: Awesome, okay, well we'll stay tuned for that. So again, you were talking about coming from the small city and going to Manchester. Now you've come a long way from performing in the bars. What were some hardships that you had to overcome to like, you know, get out of the city per se?
1: I guess I guess those comparisons were always tricky coming from Manchester because it's so rich in history of like Oasis, the Smiths, the Seventy Five it was sometimes it felt a little bit like the loudest band was the band that came over the best that night. And we were never the loudest band. We were always striving to try and make, like it sounds horribly cliche, but we were trying to make beautiful music. That was always the point, to try and make special moments. And when we were playing clubs and bars, we were playing the circuit. That sometimes was a bit of a graft. And we started so young. We were 16, 17 when we did our first shows. And we were playing with bands that were a hell of a lot older than we were. And a lot of the bars, like, we couldn't get in because we didn't have ID. I mean, there were times when I remember going to the doorman and saying, you have to let me in, I'm about to play. And he was like, no, you've not got ID. I mean, that's what it was like. We used to just, we'd grab our parents, we'd be like, please, can we borrow the car? Can you please drive us in uh, to play a show? And, like, that was how we did it. That was just how things were done. Like, we did that for maybe a year. We played, I don't know, we went to four shows a week, five shows a week, something like that. And it was just a, just a, it was so competitive. It was just us trying to be better than everybody else. And, like, it was definitely not there yet. But there was, there was a point, I think, where we, we started to believe that we could compete with, you know, some of the bigger acts.
0: And I think that's, like, the kind of attitude that you, you kind of have to have in a sense of, like, you know, you, you don't want to be – I remember you said this in, a, in one of your interviews with, I think it was, like, an upcoming musician that was doing an interview with you that if you're doing a show or if you're doing a performance – like, you you have to sell it. You have to be engaged because people will know if you're not, if you're not passionate yeah. about it. And I think that's really something that I'm sure that young person that did the interview with you was kind of like, oh, God. Uh, but at the same time, it's like yeah. you're just being real with them and you're not going to come across like, I've got nothing to
1: tell you. Just keep striving ahead. It's like, yeah. but I think you that's, end up going through the motions. I yeah. think that the, the big thing is like having a rain check sometimes. Us. Especially with Dom as as being like as close as we are. We know when each other aren't ticking over properly. And on the last tour, was it was a really big tour for us. We did nearly 40 dates. And I think we got to date 35 and we stood on stage. I'd been to London all morning and then basically got a private car back up to play the show. And I stood on stage midway through the set and just thought, this is the worst thing ever. I can't do this anymore. I'm like... I was going through the motions, and afterwards we were like, right, we're going to have to cancel some shows because this isn't right. This isn't how we want to do things. We need to reschedule. So, I mean, you've just got to be prepared to to either give it everything or don't bother turning up. That's always been our mentality from date one of the first show we ever did three, four years ago to now. And I think that's hopefully as long as we can stick to that, that's the plan. And then hopefully that will serve us pretty well.
0: And yeah, I like your passion there for the answer and being very dedicated because I know you guys even create your own merch, uh, Animals and Costume. You kind of gave that a yeah. shout out in your uh, TV Dream song. How did that idea came to be? Was it just that the merch you were looking at was like, this is rubbish, I don't like it? Or did you just think that, you know, something else that we could probably do better or create something better?
1: I think I think it was a combination of everything. I think massively it was, one, we realized what we were selling wasn't good. So, a black t shirt, you know, where it'd been, we'd found like really cheap t shirts from abroad, usually made in Asia, but in really poor quality, not paying staff right. I mean, there was no moral compass there. And I think our politics as we got older had changed and we were more socially aware. And I started to think we can do more, we can do better. We'd started to really, I think as you get to 15, 16, you really start to realize whether you're going to be into fashion or not. And as four, four lads, coming out of where we'd come from it was very apparent to us that it wasn't cool to be into fashion but we were and yeah. that was just how it was we, we we realized that we were and the band allowed us to express that so i just said to the boys like i think it's time that i really want to start a clothing brand i really want to start like um a company so we should do that but we should run the merchandise through it and this is going to allow us to do loads of things so i basically put out a post on larkins which has like 20 30,000 followers without anyone knowing, not telling management, not telling our label, and I just put a post out saying, if we do merchandise, if I start this clothing brand, it's gonna be more expensive, it's gonna take longer to get to you, but it's gonna be ethically sourced, it's gonna have a moral compass and a backbone, it's gonna be distributed in the right way and everyone's gonna get paid for it, and the quality's gonna be so superior to anything we've done before, what do you think? And the response was just like, yes please do this this you know the the it's crying out for this and as like a relatively small band in the whole scheme of things like it was bold and now we get to turn up to shows and bands won't put their merch out because they realize that they're not they're not doing the right thing and i love that i think that's a really good thing you're challenging people so i'm really i'm really really proud i think that's probably the best thing we've ever done as a band so far like in that realm i feel really proud of the brand the brand's building loads it's all in-house. It's just me, Dom, and um, one of our best friends, Stella, um, who designs stuff for us. We do it all ourselves, and I'm really, really proud of it. I think it's really important that we keep that going.
0: Well, I, I congratulations, and, and I give you props for that, because it's sometimes bands just say, Thanks. like, no, we're just going to do music and fuck everything else. Like, you know, you, yeah. you do the merch, but I like that you're very dedicated. And, like, the fact that now bands are basically going, like, oh, shit, like, uh, we're not putting our stuff out because ours is garbage compared to that. But I, I know from dealing with, with it myself, like I doing a podcast, like I came up with an idea a, a few weeks ago of I just want like a hoodie or something for myself to advertise. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was like, well, geez, I don't want to wear like a $20 hoodie that someone just grabs and then can easily rip just in case if anyone ever wanted one. So I went out and got like, I think it's like a $55 hoodie, just put an image on it, put the podcast on the back. And I said, if I'm the only one who ever wears this, Great. At least I know that's quality. If someone comes to yeah. me and says, "Cool, I want one," at least I can feel a hundred percent confident saying, "I'm wearing it." So if you want to wear it, great. But I wouldn't feel confident if I wore it and be like, "Oh man, like it's not the greatest material." But oh, you're gonna buy it?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah you just you know straight away. And there's so many so many chances to do that i think the massive thing for us was when you look at where you're sourcing things and how people source things you know when you actually dive into what what organic means what 100 percent organic means what um ethical distri- distribution is what about ethically sourcing things like we dove into that head first and when you actually really start to look at it you have to kind of then try and cover all basis because you then can't go back once you decide to go down that route it's kind of like right we're either doing this or we're not
0: and who came up with, I guess, the, the concept of just calling it animals in costume? Because I, I believe it's it's really creative to just run off the
1: tongue, or is there a story behind it? It was no. it was, I mean, the TV Dream had written before, and I'd, I'd had the idea to set up the label. And I'd just, I'd always kind of laid into that line when we sing it live that we're animals in costume. It was this idea that underneath it all, we're still just animals. And I just remember going, I remember hating costume parties as a kid. Because everyone would put on a costume and be this totally different person. And I thought it'd be really interesting to think about the skin people are in as that costume. So, I mean, it was just that. And then just saying, like, well, what about if we called it this? And it was like, actually, that could kind of work. So it just came from there, I guess.
0: No, and I like it. I like the name. It's very distinctive. Um, Thanks. What's what's next for Larkins besides, you know, the new album EP release?
1: I mean, I have no idea. I mean, the future seems so fragile and strange at the moment. We're obviously going to try and get out on tour before the end of the year. That's the goal. Whether we can do that safely and responsibly is a different matter. That's the point right now. But yeah, tour, get the debut record to a place that we're all dead proud of it and happy. And then kind of present that to the world and see what people think. I just want to make sure that we're, it's kind of, Unadulterated Larkins that we're doing everything that we can do in that, that debut record.
0: I, I kind of actually want to add this too because I, I read this in a uh, in a comment here. You mentioned when people go to your shows, like just say if they're not a, overly a fan of the music, you, you wanted to make sure that you're getting something out of it. And you mentioned like a shout out to your light guy because yeah. one of some, he's, you said this is like a being on acid without actually being on acid on yeah. the show. And I, was I like, can well, remember that, it so that's, vividly that's cool, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's even like I remember recently because every now and then you have a range of fans, and like uh, the people that come and watch us are all different ages. But it tends to be like if people are really young, say 14, they'll bring parents with them. And recently we've had like parents will even come up and just be like, you know what? It's actually pretty good because it's still got those elements of like everything that we've ever listened to is their record collection and is like Genesis and and peter gabriel and fleetwood mac and and i love the fact that we're winning that that side over as well that we can actually do this there's no gimmick there like we're playing live and yeah i I would like to think so whether it's either the styling of the merchandising the way that we engage with our team whether it's the front of house our lighting guy our photographer was on the podcast the other day i mean i like that we're that community and that band and i think hopefully that's going to have a bit of longevity
0: all right, all right. To close it off, do you want to play a game of favorites?
1: Yeah, of course. Let's do it.
0: Name me your uh, favorite band and favorite song growing up.
1: Oh, my favorite band is Led Zeppelin, and my favorite song would be Going to California. Okay, okay. And
0: your uh, your favorite snack?
1: My favorite snack? Uh, popcorn.
0: So I guess during isolation you've got a lot of
1: popcorn yeah i have such a bad sweet tooth it's unbelievable have you ever had god stoppers or like sour keys yeah henry really likes those our bass player he loves everything sweet like these things um what are they called like nuclear waste oh okay and they're like unbelievably they're like god stoppers on a whole new level but yeah i'm not a sour guy i'm not into it (laughs) uh well that's that's good have a
0: have a sweet personality right um yeah and what was like your your favorite movies growing up, and maybe your favorite TV show today?
1: My favorite movies: um, Breakfast Club, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. Have you ever seen that?
0: I, I haven't seen it. Like I'm a '90s kid. Like now in isolation, I'm gonna watch a whole bunch of stuff, and that's probably yeah, gonna should, be on my Mac. watch.
1: That it's that's amazing. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. Have you ever seen that?
0: I have seen Tropic Thunder. Yeah,
1: that film is so underrated yeah breakfast club was a big one i remember watching that and being like oh my god this is the best film ever school of rock was always a big deal when i was a kid jack black like, growing up good yeah good. yeah i was so big as a kid you've seen um inside lewin davis i, I haven't isaac that's by the cohen brothers that's amazing you should watch that and your favorite tv show I would say (laughs) there's loads. There's like serious ones and not non-serious would be. Have you ever seen One Tree
0: Hill? I have seen One Tree Hill,
1: yeah. A lot of my friends are into that, yeah. I'm so obsessed with that show. It's so embarrassing. It's my guilty (laughs) pleasure show. Uh, I don't know. I I like a load. I like Game of Thrones, um, The Trip, the Steve Coogan thing. I don't know, man. Loads. Okay,
0: so if I was if I was to give you some of my favorite ones here now, like I I grew up, of course, on like The Boy Meets World, Say by the Bell, Full House, okay. Family Matters. Yeah. Um, like okay. my favorite movie of all time is is without a doubt Mr. Deeds, even though it's like super corny, but love Mr. Deeds. I don't know if
1: I don't know what that is. I've never seen. You that. haven't seen Mr. Deeds? Oh man, no. you have
0: to go watch it. Even though if you get halfway through and you're like, "This is shit," I'll be like, "Totally understood," but. It's my favorite.
1: Yeah, who's in it? Who's, who's uh, Winona
0: Ryder and Adam Sandler. Okay. It's like a remake of Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, or Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington, okay. I believe. It's one of those. Okay. Uh,
1: I do like Adam Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Sandler. Yeah. I mean, there's enough films, you've got to like one it, of them.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I mean,
1: you can debate like
0: whether, like, you know, with Will Ferrell and Adam Sandler, some of the movies are kind of the same, but, you know, you, there there's yeah. certain parts in the movies that you just get up and laugh at
1: yeah have you seen that uncut gems the new adam summer film
0: no i haven't actually it's one of the things That's i'm gonna good, i'm gonna bro. watch eventually and i i guess a, another final question here and it's not really much of a favorites but it's just one of my favorite things growing up was when they came out with netflix and i seen that they had the oasis kind of movie have you ever seen that yeah yeah and, and what was your yeah. thoughts
1: yeah <laughs> 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 I have no idea. I mean, both seem like very difficult people to, yeah. to get on with. I remember seeing once... Um, do you know the band The Libertines? Have you heard of them? I
0: have heard of them, yeah.
1: Yeah, he, he came out with a really good quote about... Um, about about Oasis once Pete Doherty, something about Liam being the, ty- the town crier, I mean I'd just go off that, I mean I don't know man like Oasis are what they are, I totally get why they were so big.
0: Yeah but um, it's just so interesting because it's like you know for two brothers that don't get along and like no concept it's like they came from completely different worlds but somehow made it work for so many years to like come out with great songs and of course i'm sure nearly everyone's favorite one to do on a guitar is like wonderwall or but still yeah probably do that and like you know behind the scenes they're probably like that was the worst set ever we can't i can't believe we did that and then it's like the next the next night they're out there doing
1: it again yeah there's a i was in la recently writing with a guy called dan nigro like finishing off some production bits and um, we finished early because he sent me home to watch a documentary by uh, a Metallica documentary. I don't know if you've seen this. Okay. It's called Some, Some Kind of Monster. Um, and it's all about Lars Ulrich and James Hetfield at the making of one of their recent albums. You have to watch that documentary. It's unbelievable. That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Josh Noble for coming on the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob saying, thanks for listening, and good night.